most of us don't really know how to pray. If I, if I was going to kind of hang a banner statement over, over our conversation today, it'd, probably, it'd have to be that one. I, I really honestly believe most of us don't know how to pray. Uh, and, and I don't think that's a new problem necessarily. But I think if we're honest, prayer is a problem for many believers today. And I want you to think about it with me, right? Either we, we don't ask God at all. We don't talk to God because we think, right, we, we've all said these things, think that God is too busy for whatever we want to talk to him about, or, or that what we care about is not really important. He's got more important things to deal with, right? We, we've thought one of those thoughts before. Or maybe we, we've thought, um, you know, God is sovereign, which that's true. Uh, and and in our, we've kind of taken that into to the wrong level of theology, that, that we believe God is so sovereign that there's no need to pray about anything because he's never going to change his mind. Right? We, some of us believe that, so why, why even pray, the hyper-Calvinists would say. Bad theology, by the way. God is sovereign, and the sovereign God of the Bible tells us to pray. And he says that as we pray, he will listen, and, and he will do things. Right? He says we don't have because we haven't asked. And so, uh, so, but many of us fall in that category. Right? Sometimes we just don't ask at all. Uh, sometimes when we ask God for things, we talk to God, uh, we, we, we ask, we request something of God, but the truth is we don't really believe he's going to deliver, right? Or, or, or we don't think there's any way he can change our, our situation. So I'd call that, you know, we're praying because, because we've been in church and they told us to pray, but we don't actually have the faith to believe that God is going to move. A lot of people fall into that camp. And then there's the, the final camp, right? And that's that camp where, where uh, we ask, but the truth is we're asking with wrong motives, Right? We're asking with wrong motives. And guys, here's the deal. If you've ever been in any of those camps, right, and you say, well, what does wrong motives look like? Come on, be honest. How many of you have ever prayed that you'd win the lotto, right? Come on, come on, right? How many, you made promises to God, didn't you, right? Come on, some of you. Lord, I tell you, if you just let me win that lottery, I will tie 20%, not just 10, right? Somebody prayed that prayer. I, I've heard people, they're so desperate, they pray, God, it's 450 million, you know. I just want to keep one of them. I'll keep one million, you can have the rest. That's a pretty desperate prayer right there. I think God probably knew your heart that you weren't actually going to do that. That's why you didn't win, right? Uh, but, but we pray with wrong motives too, the Bible says. And here, here's the thing I want to tell you if you're a Christian. I, I want you to know before we ever open our text today is you're not alone. Right. In fact, this this not knowing how to pray thing, this this either not asking or asking but not having faith or asking with the wrong motives. This goes all the way back to the infancy stages of of the church and and the very first Christians. In fact, uh, James would write this uh, to to the church in in Jerusalem. He's going to say, man, you don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on on your pleasures. And so I'd submit to you, I think the people of God have always struggled with the concept of prayer. And so this morning what we're going to do is, is we're going to turn to a text here in Luke 11, 1 through 13, where uh, Jesus is teaching on this very concept on how to pray, on, 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 on why to pray. Uh, and, and so I, I pray you'll, you'll dive in with me here. Luke chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 13, and we'll see what the Lord has to say on this topic. Uh, it says, One day... Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, okay, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he, he, he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, please lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one on the inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, is going to give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Three things uh, I'm going to share with you out of this passage, okay? And, and the first thing I just want you to see is this. Guys, Jesus teaches us the right way to pray. Jesus teaches us the right way to pray. And that's a bold statement because when you say Jesus teaches us the right way to pray, you are implying there is a wrong way to pray. And there is. We just talked about it, right? Not talking to God. That's a wrong way to pray, right? I mean, I mean, saying or asking something of God, but not actually believing he has the power or the authority to do it. That's a wrong way to pray. And of course, praying with selfish motives, that's a wrong way to pray. And, and, and so the story goes that Jesus is praying. Right? He, he's in a certain place. He's, he's kind of uh, alone. He, there he is, and he's praying. He's talking to his father, and he gets done praying. He, he probably finishes, in my name I pray, amen. No, I, I don't know how. That's, you know, in church, we always have to finish in Jesus' name we pray. And so, so Jesus finishes up, and, and he, he gets done praying. And, and evidently, uh, something pretty spectacular has happened in this prayer time, right? I mean, so much of the disciples are like, whoa, dude. They immediately know that Jesus prays in a way of which they know nothing about, right? Have, have you ever been there? Have you ever been with somebody that prays and you're just in awe of how that person prays, right? I mean, they're, they're praying and you're just like, whoa! Um, before I dated my wife, I'm going to tell you, she's not here so I can say this. Before we dated, um, we were friends and we were on, somehow I got on a leadership team for a college Bible study and I wasn't actually saved yet. <laughs> ah, I had them all fooled. Uh, and I was teaching too, we won't go into that, but I still wasn't a Christian yet. Um, but anyway, I was learning, I knew I liked the Bible, I was learning a lot and so I'm on this leadership team, and we would have these prayer meeting meetings, and there was this girl at these meetings that would pray, and oh my gosh, she like prayed my sandals with the socks on off, you know what I'm saying? I mean, back then, that was hip with a sweater vest, it was awesome, uh, yeah, whoo, big swoopy hair, it was good stuff, love the 90s, uh, man, and I, I would hear her pray, and I was just like, oh. Oh my gosh, man, she just pray. And you guys are probably thinking, maybe, maybe your, your nana, maybe, maybe your grandfather. Uh, you know, if you've ever been in our church at a prayer meeting with Brother Winston, if you can hear him, you've got to get close. Man, that guy can pray. 
And, and, and when you're around somebody that can pray like that, there's something in your spirit that says, I, I want to, God, I want to talk to you like he talks to you. I, I want that. I want that, that, that kind of thing. You know, we just watched The War Room with our kids the other night. And, and, uh, and, and in one scene, I won't give away the whole movie, but one scene, they're going to sell a house and there's a prayer room, it's a closet, and a retired pastor walks in. And he's like, ooh, somebody's been praying in there. And he said, it's like baked in. <laughs> It was like baked in all those prayers, right? Well, guys, here's the deal. The disciples just witnessed. Can you, can you, let put yourself in their shoes. Like, you think grandma could pray? Whoo, you ain't seen Jesus, right? I mean, you think grandma walked close with Jesus, but this is Jesus talking to his dad. There is nothing like this conversation. And it gets done, and what, what do they say? So the response is, hey, hey, Jesus, can you teach us to do that? <laughs> Can we talk to to God the way you talk to God? And his response is, yeah, sure. Let me, let me, let me tell you what to do. Let me, let me show you what, what to say. Okay? And he gives them a model. This isn't meant to be a repetitive prayer. It's not meant to be uh, memorize these words and just pray these words over and over and over and your life will be changed. Rather, it's meant to be a model that reminds us of, of the way that Jesus prayed. And so he starts, first and foremost, you want to pray like I pray? You need to think about God as your dad. Period. You need to think about God like a child thinks about a parent, right? And, and, and you say, well, I don't have a good relationship with my dad. Then you better think about your grandpa, or you better think about your mom, or your nana, or something, whatever. It's, you think about God like you think about a parent, right? And, and I don't know about your children, but my kids love to talk to me about everything all at the same time. And I got four of them, so that's a little crazy. Griffin's like, uh-huh. Been there. And, I, and he's like, and mine are all girls, dude. I love you. Hang in there, brother. Woo. Right? I mean, because boys don't talk as much as girls, but they still talk, right? And so my, my, my children, blessed, they, they will ask them, How, how's life? What's going on? And they all want to talk about everything that happened, all the things they think are cool, and they all want to talk at the same time. It's awesome. And see, you know, I kind of started thinking, well, they're going to grow out of that at some point. You know, they're going to get older, they're going to grow out of that. Until my dad passed in June. And you know, since that time, guys, we're about to enter September, what I found is all throughout the day, over and over and over, every, every single week, day after day, I found these random things where I reach for my phone still. Because I want to call him and I want to talk to him about something silly that happened, about something the kids did, about some victory I had, about some problem I'm, I'm trying to work through. All these little things. Guys, that's the picture that Jesus is saying. He said, listen, if, if you want to pray the way that I pray, then you need to talk to God the way that you would talk to a parent, right? That, that you talk to him about everything that's going on all of the time. That's what we got to do. And so he says, start there. He says, second, you want to pray the way that I pray, you need to know who you're talking to. He says, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed, it can mean holy, but it actually is more than that. The word hallowed refers to the entire character of a person. It means all of who they are. Jesus is saying, like, so when you talk to, to, to God, he's your father, but you also need to think about everything that he is, right? And the Bible says that God is, is just and that God is loving and that God is good and that God is kind and that God is perfect, and, right? God, God is holy. He's, he's all these things, Right? He, he, he is, is faithful. He's our provider. He's our protector. He is our refuge. He is our, our strength. And Jesus saying, like, you want to pray effectively, you need to think about the fact that's who you're talking to. 
We are talking to the God of the universe, the one that, that can call out the stars by name until the seas that they can only come so far. Like you, you shouldn't be afraid to ask of this person because he's all-powerful and all-knowing. He has all ability to actually bring about and evoke change in your life. Really makes a difference what you pray for when you understand the power that the person possesses, doesn't it? Wow. So God, I can ask you to do things that nobody else on earth can do. Yep. Because I am like nobody else on earth. He says, moves on, right? He says, your kingdom come. So Jesus says, you want to pray like me? Here's another key. You've got to pray with a kingdom perspective. So let me ask you guys a question. How's the kingdom of God line up with the kingdom of the world? Is it, is, it, is it almost identical? Is it just a few hairs off? Is the kingdom of God maybe 15 degrees off of the kingdom of the world? Are God's ways just a little bit different? Is it just a little, you know, like I can do this, but not quite that? Of course not, right? God's ways are radically different. In the early church, I said, how many degrees different is God? Is God 90 degrees from the way of the world? When, when, when God talks about what treasure is or what success is, what wealth is, his definitions of that aren't 90 degrees off. They're not 45 degrees off. They're, they're 180 degrees off of from the ways of the world, right? God's kingdom has a totally different perspective than the world, doesn't it? So Jesus says, when you pray, keep that in mind. Don't worry about the stuff of this world. You need to be worried about the stuff that will last forever. Boy, that radically changes my prayer list right there. Really does, right? So you pray for a kingdom perspective. Four, he says, you need to pray about provision for each day. Give us each day our daily bread. I want you to notice, by the way, it's daily provision, right? Uh, daily, it means you've got to go back every single day. And, and this, by the way, is a reference to the Old Testament and the Israelites that are wandering in the desert. Now, now remember, where were they supposed to be? Canaan is the name. You could say promised land. That's okay, right? Where were they supposed to be? That was so weak and sad, all right? Listen, I was out on a soccer field all day yesterday, and I have more energy than you guys, okay? Let's try it again. Where were they supposed to be? Okay, well, we got to pick one now, because now it's like everybody's on their lives. Okay, we'll say promised land, because Travis is saying Canaan. I want to make him change. Okay, so we're going to yell promised land. Where were they supposed to be? Promised land, right? But did they cross over? No, they did not have the faith to do it. So they're stuck in the desert, and they've got nothing to eat at all. God, I know we're not exactly faithful, but we're hungry. And God, what does he give them? Here's a manna from heaven, right? And here's the thing about this bread from heaven that came down every day, and this is a reference to that, right? This bread from heaven, God gave them instruction. He said, you're supposed to go out every day and just get enough for that day. Now, there were some people back then, they had doomsday preppers too, right? They had doomsday preppers in the Israelites. They were doomsday preppers and hoarders. And uh, they went out and they tried to connect, collect enough for the week because they were tired of going out and relying on God every single day. So they went out and tried to collect enough for the week. You know what happened to their manna? It got moldy and nasty. It was unusable. God was teaching a lesson. I'm going to give you what you need every day, but I am the source. You've got to come to me. I'll give you everything you need for the day, 
But you've got to come to me. Listen to what prayer is. I'm, I'm going I'm to say this to you. I think it's huge. Prayer is about gathering up your daily provision. It is the manna that you need to make it through the day. That's what prayer is about, okay? So Jesus says, when you pray, you know, pray like me, this is what you've got to do. You've got to come to the source over and over and over and over. He, he goes on, he says, we also need to forgive everyone. We've got to ask God to forgive us, and we've got to forgive everyone. It's kind of a big deal. Remember, sin separates us from God. We can't have closeness with God if we're not saying, hey, God, I'm a sinner, I've messed up. We'll get into that in a second. And then asking others for forgiveness or forgiving others is a big deal because the Bible says without forgiving others, we can't be forgiven. That's kind of a verse that we like to ignore, but it's a big deal. And then finally, Jesus says, um, and lead us not into temptation. And guys, that's a prayer that we would have an attitude that we, that we want to flee from sin. God, would you give me an attitude that I want to run from sin? Okay, I want to run from sin. I want to stand firm against the devil I want to stand against the devil. I want to resist the devil and he will flee from me. But I want to flee from sin, okay? When Potiphar's wife grabs hold of my cloak, I I want to run away naked if I've got to, God. I want that strength, okay? I want the strength that when sin grabs me and looks me in the eye and says, come to bed with me, that I have the power and the strength and the ability to run away even if it's naked. Lord, give me that. It's that kind of mindset every single day. Anybody been that committed about doing away with sin in their life? Lord, I'll run away naked if I need to. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So Jesus says, disciples come. Lord Jesus, we see how you pray. We see how you talk to your father. Man, we we want to do that. And Jesus says, awesome. So pray this way. Jesus teaches us how to pray. It's not a secret. Okay? He lays it out for a second. Jesus tells us as we follow this model. He gives us a method, okay? He tells us to be bold and to be shameless in our prayers. To be bold and to be shameless in our prayers. Uh, so, so Jesus immediately launches into a story. He doesn't leave them with a model. He then teaches them uh, through this story. He gives them this imagery of uh, a traveler. Um, often in biblical times, it was so hot during the day that sometimes you wouldn't travel. And so you would leave as the sun was beginning to set. And so what has happened is, is of course, you didn't have a telephone. You couldn't text them and be like, hey, I'm running a little late. Uh, so they left. They decided it was too hot that day. And so they traveled when the sun went down. So when they arrived to the person's house, uh, it, it, was, it was an unlucky day, and the kids actually ate all their vegetables, and there's no food left, okay? Now, in my house, there would always be vegetables left over, and who, the weary traveler would always be able to at least eat the leftover vegetables my kids picked out. Uh, but not on today. Uh, the children ate all their vegetables. There's no food left. The person arrives. It's about midnight. It's in the middle of the night, and, and there's no food left because everybody's eaten, and, and the people traveling didn't get there at dinner, of course. And so there's no food in the house. What do they do? So they run over to a neighbor and they knock on the door. And now, and the neighbor's response is, you're my friend, but dude, it's midnight. You're, you're smoking crack, right? Like, it's not going to happen. Yes, I said smoking crack in church. I don't really mean smoking crack when I said that. I'm a product of the 80s and 90s. I mean, you're out of your mind, okay? So you're out of your mind, right? Like, you're not, you're not going to get what you've asked for. And Jesus says, but I tell you, verse 8, because of this man's boldness, not because he's your friend, but because you're bold, Okay, because of this man's boldness, he's going to get out of bed and go ahead and give it to him. Now, that word boldness, though, is really unique. It only appears in two places in all of the New Testament. And, and, and the word actually means shamelessness. Shamelessness, okay? Uh, it, it's importunity 
which is a word we never use. But it's just because of this man's shamelessness. Because this man was shameless, this friend is going to get up and, and give him what he, he means. And Jesus says, listen, that's how you should pray too. Ready? When you pray through this model of prayer that I have given you, you should be shameless in praying this way. You should be unashamed to pray the way that I have shown you to pray. And I, let me walk through it with you so, so you understand where I'm coming from. Ready? You should be unashamed to approach God as Father. Let's start there, right? You should never be ashamed to talk to God because He's your dad. Abba, Daddy, right? My kids always have an audience with me. Like Cole could look at me right now and be like, Need, and I have to go, one second, come here. What? What's up? I'll cover the microphone so he can talk. Like, we, we have to have that moment because he's my child. And I love you guys, but he's first. Right? In a hierarchy, it's God, it's his mom, and then it's him and his brothers and sisters. That's it. You guys come after that. I love you, but that's the truth. Okay? He always has an audience with me. Always. Okay? We always have an audience with God. God is our Father. We should never be ashamed to run to God in prayer. Ever. Ever. So we start there, right? Father, right? Never be ashamed to call God my Father. I, nothing that I care about is unimportant to Him. It's a big deal. So He says, like, like, be shameless in these prayers. I should never be ashamed to, to come to God and, and, and confess my sin, right? Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. And, and I, I should never be ashamed to come to God and confess my sin. Yet I, I'd submit to you that I think most Christians are. So, some of us here... Even right now, we, we're, we're, we feel distant from God. We feel too dirty for God. We feel like God can't use us, that God can't forgive us, that we can't get past our past. There's nothing that we can do. Now, some of us have asked God for forgiveness because the Bible says to do that. And we said, hey, God, forgive me. But we've never actually believed we're forgiven. So we don't feel forgiven. We don't feel cleansed. And so we are afraid to pray. We're actually afraid to run and, and, and to crawl up in our, our Father's lap, Right? We should never be ashamed to confess our sin, right? I, I should never draw, withdraw into isolation thinking that I am too dirty for God. It's not the imagery. So I, I want to paint you a picture. <laughs> this is kind of how that works. Uh, so, so my kids um, love to play in the mud. Anybody else have those kids? Just mine. Um, but somebody who is, oh, the, the, man, there were some pictures of the Dodd kids on the internet this week. It was awesome. Covered head to toe. It's great. It's great. It's like they had a mud pit. I don't even know how it happened. But, um, so, so imagine my house does not have white carpet. We don't play that game. But um, imagine we did. And my children came running in, in white. You know, they're covered in mud. And, and, and they came running. And we've got white carpet. And they run through the house. Now, now what, what is my reaction going to be to that? Um, I'm not a good father. I'm one of those, those non-evil dads, right? I mean, That's not the picture. The Bible says, like, God's not, like, you don't need to be ashamed of your mud and your mire. So, so, so here's the picture. Like, you get to, because God is so big, you get to rush into him just like he is and all of his perfection and all of his whiteness and his cleanliness because you, there's nothing you can do that can make him dirty at all, right? God's so powerful. He's so holy. Like, you run in all your, uh, like, uncleanliness and filth and is the moment you jump into, into his arms, like, all that's gone. Like, what? That's amazing. Best OxyClean ever invented. The blood shed by Jesus at Calvary. Everlasting power, once and for all. So, so Jesus says, I want you to be shameless in the way that you pray. 
Don't be ashamed to ask God for forgiveness and don't be ashamed to run to God in prayer after you've failed because God is Father and He knows that children fall down and get muddy. As a father, I love my kids and I know they're going to get muddy and every once in a while they're going to throw that mud onto the side of my house. It does not change my love for them one bit. So we're God's children. He wants us to lift our head. He wants us to look to him. He wants us to run to him in prayer unashamed, okay? And that's what the author of Hebrews was really getting at in Hebrews chapter 4. Um, Hebrews 4.16. He says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, some of you say, I don't know if I pray like that. I'm afraid that I'm just kind of, I'm abusing God's grace. And isn't that going to cause me to sin more often? I tell you, No. Because if my child runs into my house and makes a mess on my white carpet, and instead of yelling and exploding on them, I pick them up and I carry them and I bathe them and I clean them, and then they watch me tirelessly clean that carpet and make it beautiful again, and not one time do I ever shake my fist at them or get angry with them, you know what, the next time they're muddy, they're going to stop before they enter remembering how I serve them and love them. Grace doesn't, want, doesn't make you want to sin more. Grace makes you want to sin less because you realize how much you are loved. And how much your father really cares about you. Paul would say it's not a license to sin more, right? And so we need to understand these things, all right? Ah, number three. Number three, last thing. This is beautiful. I want you to see this. Jesus promises that God is a good father who will provide for our greatest needs by giving us his spirit. Verse 11 through 13 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, is going to give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, is going to give him a scorpion. If then, though you are evil, know how to give um, good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? How much more will your Father in heaven? So here's the implication. As fathers on earth, we can give pretty good gifts. I give pretty good gifts. Like, I like Christmas. It's good. I take care of my kids. Stayed up the other night. We made, uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night, we were making sausage balls because we had a soccer tournament. We wanted the kids to have protein, right? I don't know if that was probably more of us, a little selfish motive. We didn't want to buy donuts. But anyway, yeah, it's important. We're trying to give them fuel. We, we know how to give good gifts to our kids, and, and we're sinners, right? But God's perfect. God's holy. Like, he, there's, there's no sin in him. He's, he's the best. And, and, and get this, as the best... He actually, if we pray, if we, if we come to God unashamed and we come to God and we're praying, Lord, like my dad, I mean, give me enough for my day. Give me this. God actually answers us. Not only does he provide for our needs, but he provides for us in our greatest need by giving us himself, which is far better, by the way, just far better. So here's the picture. When we pray, we don't just get stuff, Right? But rather, when we pray, we actually get God. We get His Spirit. This is what it says. Like, how much greater, how much greater is, is, is our God? When you pray, your Father in heaven is going to give you the Holy Spirit to any that ask Him. He's going to provide for our greatest needs. He's going to give us His Spirit. And the Bible says this about His Spirit, okay? It says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Anybody ever lack wisdom? Right? Daily decisions, you ever struggle? Holy Spirit's teacher, right? Anybody ever wonder what step they should take next? Anybody? Like you're at a, that point in life, what do I do next? Ready? Awesome, cool, because the Holy Spirit's also a guide. 
not just a teacher. Um, uh, anybody ever struggle? We're talking about prayer. Come on. Anybody ever like, you just don't know what to pray, but you know you should be praying. Come on, ever been there? Holy Spirit will pray for you too. Absolutely. Holy Spirit will pray for you, right? Anybody ever wonder whether or not they're really important to God? Anybody ever question their salvation? Anybody ever been there? Ever, anybody ever, ever feel like God um, maybe doesn't really care about them or that God is too busy for them? You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a seal to prevent those thoughts from ever entering your heart again. The Holy Spirit is proof that you've been adopted as a child of God, that you have full rights, that your birth certificate has been changed. The Holy Spirit is that seal in your life. That little girl that was wiggling and squiggling while we were all trying to sing to Jesus up here on the front row, coolest part of her whole uh, adoption story for me came about six weeks after uh, we, we were able to adopt her and... and um, Maybe it wasn't even six weeks. Maybe it was, ah, it was probably six weeks. And I remember going out to the mail and some important official documentation. And I was like, what is this? And I opened it up. I thought it was something else from the court. Like they were writing us back to go, oops, sorry, we made a mistake. And I opened it up and it says birth certificate. And I open it and I look at it. And her birth record, this is, her, this is the birth record of my daughter. And it says on her birth certificate, the day that she was born, and it says that she was born to myself and to my wife. And it says that her name is Faith Elise Huddleston. Her birth record was changed. Do you know why? Because she is mine. The Holy Spirit, friends, is our birth certificate that says forevermore, You are a child of God. No matter what happens, your name has been changed. Your whole record is different, right? So when we pray and when we're unashamed, God not only takes care of what we need, but he takes care of our greatest need. He gives us himself. We become his and he becomes ours. All right? So what do we do because of this text? All right, I'll give you a few things. Number one, we need to start praying the right way. All right, we got to start praying the right way, okay? All right, so I told you, I've been picking up the phone like crazy lately. I want to talk to dad about everything. That's the way you're supposed to be with God. So who is the person, identify right now, who's the person you call about all the little details that you think of during the day? Who's that person? Is it your spouse? Is it your... Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it, is it, or is it still mom or dad? Um, for men that still have dads alive, do you catch yourself calling your dad to talk about little things that happen, right? Whatever that is, whoever that person is. So here's my challenge to you. Before you call, I still want you to call them. Don't like not call them. But before you call them, I want you to talk to God about that thing that you think is funny or that thing that you're struggling with or that thing that made a, a particular moment for you. Talk to God about it first, okay? That's why I just challenge you. This week, just talk to God about it first. All week. All week. Every day, make an effort. Before you call your wife and go, oh, hey, by the way, I forgot that, blah, 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 blah. Talk to God about it first, okay? That's what God wants. He wants us to come to him first, okay? So, so we've got we to gotta pray uh, the right way. We've, we've got to come to him first. We have to remember in, in, in coming to him first, right, as, as dad, we have to remember what he has the power to do, Okay? Has the power of all heaven, all earth. Jesus holding all things together currently. Like, we are not falling apart, not just because of laminin, but because of Jesus. Like, that's the reason, okay? Kind of a big deal. 
Kind of a big deal. Has all power, has all authority. We have to come to him daily. It's daily provision. We don't get to hoard up the provision. Okay? It's every single day. He's going to provide manna to make it through each day. It's about so, so this is what we're going to do. So I want to challenge you. Pray the right way every day this week. Everybody got it? This is I got it. Okay? This is I'm hungry. This is I got it. Okay. All right. Two. Stop being ashamed. Stop being ashamed. Okay? So, huge difference between guilt and shame. I want to I free you up. Okay? Guilt is when you sin. It's when you fall and you feel bad. That's guilt. The Bible says guilt is from God. It's on purpose. Like you were actually made to hurt when God hurts. So when you fail and you kind of feel like a failure, okay, that's from God. And it's intended for one sole purpose. Ready? Here it is. Children, listen to me. This goes a long way with your parents. One sole purpose to say, I am sorry. Husbands, by the way, listen to me. One sole purpose. I am sorry. The point of guilt is, is to drive us to repentance, the Bible says. It says that guilt brings us to repentance. So, so guilt is from God. It is meant to drive us to repentance, okay? However, once we ask God for forgiveness and we still don't feel like coming to Him, that is called shame and it's a tool from the enemy, okay? The Bible says that Satan is a liar and a thief and that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? And he wants to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to destroy your communication with God. He wants to keep you from coming to God because he knows the power that God possesses and what God can do in your life. God wants to keep you from it. And and get this, this is how wicked it is. Not just because he hates you and wants to destroy your family, but also because he hates the other people that don't know him yet. He wants to keep them in bondage. And by golly, if you have any victory over sin in your life or in your family, then other people are going to see a difference in you and he doesn't want that to happen. So this enemy that is extremely real, that hates you, that stands against you, is a liar and a thief. And I want to tell you one of his greatest lies. And so, so we know that we're all on the same page. We're going to raise a hand here. We're going to take a little survey. It's like family feud. Survey says. How many of you here have ever sinned? Let's start there. That's a good one. Come on. This is, this is easy. This is all hands up. Everybody participating, right? Okay, good, good. I'm, this is my crowd. But the first crowd, it was like saints. And this one, these are my people. Okay. And uh, the first, I should have been sitting down and they preaching to me in the first service. So, so okay. So here, here we go. So, so we've all sinned. Now, let me ask this because I, I, I honestly felt, I've, for a long time, I was the only person that felt this way. Have you ever sinned and, and you felt like that failure and, and you, 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 know, you immediately like, God, I'm so sorry, I'm an idiot. And you had a desire at that very moment to open your Bible and to read. Has anybody ever been there? Come on. You've been there too? Look around. Keep your hands up. Look, there are other people that feel like you. Okay, now, you can put your hands down. Has anybody not done that though? Because they felt too dirty to do it. Has anybody else heard this voice? This is the voice I heard. I want to see if it's the same voice. Has anybody at that moment, you sinned, you fell, you, 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 you totally bonehead play, right? And you wanted to read your Bible, but you heard a voice in your ear say, you are too dirty to read that Bible right now. God doesn't want you like that. Come on, raise your hands. Okay. You know who that voice is from? No, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Who's that voice from? Is that voice from God? That voice is from the deceiver. He is the father of lies. He's the enemy, and he wants to keep you separated from God. Put your hands down now, okay? So listen to me. Listen to me. No more of that junk. No more of that junk. You hear that voice again. You now have identified who that voice is from. 
The next time you mess up and you feel like you need to get on your face and pray or you need to open your Bible and read and, and you hear that voice go, no, 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 God doesn't want you to do that. You look at that and say, you're a liar, you're the deceiver and you can go back to hell where you came from, okay, in Jesus' name. And you open your Bible and you start to read, all right? No more being too ashamed for God. God knows you. He knows that you're going to fail. He knows that you're going to fall. And his desire, friends, is to make you clean. He knows that you're muddy. He knows that we walk in a world that is full of mire. And he is the great cleanser. And he is open for business. You never need to be ashamed to run into your father's arms and to ask for forgiveness. Never. You never need to be too ashamed to run to God and ask for provision. Never. Having a problem with your finances? Ask God. Now listen, God may not give you a raise, but he may give you the wisdom to change around your budget. Right? There's nothing that you can't run and talk to God about. So no more being ashamed. And that brings us to the last one. I just shared this in premarital counseling uh, a second ago. Abide in the great gift of God. Abide in the great gift of God, who is the Holy Spirit. Okay? God doesn't just give uh, us gifts. He doesn't just provide for our needs. He actually provides himself in prayer. The Holy Spirit. So I, I, I said to this couple earlier, let me describe a life for you. Ready? How, just you tell me if you would like this, okay? Because I believe this is the area we all want to be in, okay? Would you like a life of love? They're like, oh yes, we would love a life of love. It's pre-marriage, okay? They're all very, whatever. They haven't seen a diarrhea diaper yet. Because, you know, those don't stay in the diapers. <sighs> I still love you. Why do we keep having all these children? Um, so, so I'm like, would you like a life filled of love? Oh, we would love that. That's awesome. Would you like a life filled of, of joy? And oh, yes, we want that. I mean, there's like fairy tales and rainbows in there. What about a life of, of, uh, that is just absolutely known by peace? Yeah, we want that. I mean, we want a peaceful marriage. We don't want to yell and scream. And I'm like, are you sure? It's fun to throw things sometimes. No, they didn't want that. Okay, so what about, what about a life of patience? They weren't real big on that one, okay? But, but I was like, it's good. I mean, have patience, be able to, that's true love. It keeps no records of wrong. Yeah, okay, okay. What about gentleness? Would you like a marriage full of gentleness? And they're like, absolutely, absolutely. She was like, yeah, I want him to be gentle. He's like a big old, okay, cool. What about faithfulness? Would you like a marriage based on faith? Uh, absolutely. They're like, yeah, are you kidding me? Then she kind of was like, I'll kill him if he, okay, you, it's premarital counseling, you might want to double think that, brother. Sounds like she knows how to use a gun. And guys, what I walked them through, simply as I asked them what kind of life they wanted, was the fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians 5. And you see, friends, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is a promise from God for anyone that would seek to follow him. And it says where God is, his spirit is, and where his spirit is, the fruit of his spirit is present. Love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. Those things are present where? Where the spirit is. So friends, this is where we want to be, right? In our life, in our marriage, with our children, this is the answer. And so, so our challenge then, get this, we get that. We get that by walking intimately with God. How do we walk intimately with God? By daily 
consistently coming to him, the source. And Jesus says, when you pray to me like that, when you're coming to me constantly, this is not the, I haven't talked to God in three months, but I'm in traffic and now I'm going to pray for patience. This is the daily I am coming to God, and because I am spending time with God daily, I am patient because God is patient. This is the life that we want, my friends. Abide in the great gift of God, the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. You are way better than we deserve. We want to ask you just to have control over us here in the next couple of minutes that your will might be done in our lives. In your name we ask this. Amen. Um, So we're going to do this a little different. Alan's just going to give us some background music so that we don't hear everybody sniffling or coughing or whatever. You better not do anything else that makes noise, okay? No other bodily functions. This is important. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Um, You can, on your phone, yeah, on your phone, on your tablet, Bible, whatever. And I want you to look. At, at, that, at that verse, now his disciples have just said to him, Lord, can you teach us how to do what you've just done? Like, Lord, can you teach us how to pray the way that you have just prayed? Can you teach us that? And Jesus said, yep, I can. When you pray, you need to pray like this. Now this morning, we just gave you the model. We, we told you what it means. It means we talk to God as dad. It means that as we talk to God, we realize there is nothing beyond his control. We, 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 we think about all that he, he is always good. Always. God can never not be good to us. Never. We, he's always loving. God can never be unloving to us. He cannot. He is always just. God cannot be unjust ever. He just can't be, right? And so we think of him as our, our protector, as our provider, as our refuge, as our strength. These are all part of God's character, and that's what it means. Hallowed. Hallowed. All of who you are, God. That's what I'm going to think about right now. All of who you are. God, your kingdom come. God, I'm not going to be focused on all the junk of this world, the stuff that's going to rust and be destroyed. I want to think about the eternal stuff that, that really matters. God, I want, to, I want to be a life that really matters, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, give me today. Give me today what I need. I, I've been, I'm sorry, Lord. I haven't come to you in several days. I kept trying to, like I prayed that one time for a few months ago, and I, I tried to store it up. God, you don't want to just give me stuff. You want to give me you. I got to get you every day. I got to come back to the source, right? So here's what we're going to challenge you to do. We're going to give you just three minutes. That's not a long time to pray. It's just not, okay? It's 180 seconds. It's not that long. I just want you, I just want you to pray through the Lord's Prayer on your own. Not to pray the words. Not to pray the words, right? We're not, we're, not, we're not memorizing a prayer. I want you to come to God as dad. I want you to talk to him about all the stuff. I want you to recognize who he is. I, I want you to pray for the kingdom perspective. I just walk through the Lord's prayer. Because this is the challenge. We're going to do it. Day, today is day one. Monday is day two. We're going to do it again on Monday. Then we're going to pray through the Lord's prayer on Tuesday. That's day three. We're going to do it on Wednesday, and that's day four. We're going to pray through it on Thursday. You're not going to miss that, because golly, Friday is coming, and we need that patience, don't we? We're going to pray through it on Friday before all craziness breaks loose and we try to leave the office and be with our family. We're going to pray through it on Saturday, and we're going to come back to church praying that same. Pray, pray, not, not the same words every time, 
but praying through that model. Unashamed, unashamed. You fail, you miss a day, you pray the next day, get back up on the horse. Nothing to be ashamed of. There is no shame here. We are bold because we are children. All right? So open up that scripture. You can pray with your eyes open. I want you to pray through that kind of prayer. Three minutes starts right now. Go.